stress is a natural part of what happens in our work. And it doesn't matter if you do heart-centered work, you have a greater chance to burn out, mm-hmm. right? Because you're constantly giving so much of yourself. And so in the nonprofit space, especially, I think we have to be really thoughtful and take care of each other so that we're not burning out. And one of the greatest cures to burnout is connection. Welcome. I'm Marissa DeSales, and I'm your host for What If, a podcast exploring the nonprofit sector. The What If podcast is a series of conversations featuring speakers from the Impact Foundry's What If conference taking place on April 12th and 14th. This is a space to dream and wonder and ask, what if? So we're joined today by Betsida LeBron. And Betsida, could you introduce yourself, please? Absolutely. So, well, you know, my name is Betsida LeBron, and I am a little bit of a lot of things. I am a comedian. I'm an award-winning improviser. I am an artist, also management coach. And what I really love as far as like the work that I do and what drives me is very much about bringing people together and helping them work better together, especially at work because there's so much humanity that sometimes gets lost in trying to be very productive. Mm. And that happens in the nonprofit sector as well. We just, you know, we, we have to prove so much. And so improving ourselves to our funders and proving ourselves to the board and all these ways that you're trying to just stay productive, you lose your humanity because we're not meant to be high producing robots. We are humans. And so that is what drives me constantly to bring people together, to connect and it through their humanity and, you know, hope that in doing so people can laugh a little bit because like, you know, we need a little a little laughter in life. Now more than ever to use an extremely overused phrase. Yeah. <laughs> How did you get to this point? How do you come to this space of teaching organizations and teams how to get back to being more human and and having more laughter? Very organically, which I love about my story. So I went to school for psychology and I got my degree in psychology and education. I knew that I didn't want to be a teacher. I knew I didn't want to be a therapist, but I was just fascinated by both of those topics. I love how we think and I love how we learn Mm. and And so that is really where I started. And so I ended up working in the nonprofit world in mental health. And so I ended up being a program director for the, I started with the California Youth Crisis Line. And I I just, I loved so much of what that is. It was just being there for people and letting them be fully seen without the judgment. And I loved that just so much and to teach others how to like give create space for others and just so much of what I kind of have seen and throughout the different roles that I've played is that a lot of our hurt comes from our disconnection Mm. and so that was always kind of like I, I just kept seeing it and seeing it and then you know just Outside of work, I as a comedian, you know, I was doing stand up, I was doing improv comedy and I loved how when you're really kind of on, you can feel the energy of the room. And when you can get everyone to kind of laugh at the same thing, even though they were strangers before they got there, all of a sudden they feel like we're a community. Hmm. And I just 
so to me, it was like these all connect and it makes sense somehow. And it really started to happen once I started to, I was doing workplace wellness training and I had a curriculum that I was given, but I would just to keep things interesting, I would add the improv exercises that I was teaching performers hmm. just to kind of, you know, like keep people engaged because right. just to kind of add some fun. And I started to realize very quickly that this actually helps teach some of the things that I'm trying to help people understand, especially about how to really listen, how to be present with each other, how to give space, how to be non-judgmental, because we don't know how to do that very often. <laughs> and we're sometimes the most judgmental of ourselves. Definitely. And improv absolutely makes you have to let that go because you're not you're not supposed to judge yourself. You know, if you're censoring yourself constantly, you can't really do anything. Right. And so it kind of was so obvious in that way. And and that's really what kind of brought it all together. And that's why my company is Improv EQ, because I use improv to help people understand like the emotional quotient or emotional intelligence and how that all comes together. And that's how I got here. In the nonprofit community, you would think, <laughs> you might think, that we're, because we are human-centered by our work and our focus and our missions, uh, most of us, you would think we would treat our people better, quite mm. honestly, than we, than we do. <laughs> Can you talk just a little bit? You work with both nonprofits and business clients. Is that right? Yes. Can you talk about any difference that you see between those two sectors and how they approach their human resources? The interesting thing is that I'm not sure there are that many differences between them. I think the main difference is... With nonprofits, they're fully aware of the human aspect of their mission and what they're trying to accomplish in a way that not every for-profit has a human-centered mission. Right. There's been a change, I feel like, in the last couple of years where people are trying to be more aware of, you know, even if I'm a for-profit, how am I impacting my community or the world at large? Mm -hmm. But in general, I think with nonprofits, they're almost more externally focused on taking care of people than they are internally focused on taking care of their own people. Right. And sometimes that's a huge blind spot for nonprofits because they don't realize that that's what they're doing. Yeah, it's it's almost like we have all of the expectations of production that folks in the for-profit business world do just with lower pay. <laughs> you know, and it's it just it does. It speaks to the need for nonprofits in particular to just be kinder to their employees. And I, you know, there's a lot of talk now about the great resignation and mm -hmm. and the shift in people in the ways that people work, which is a reflection of I think, you know, not not a laziness, but a growing recognition that we as humans have a variety of ways in which we can be and should be productive. And those don't always match the systems that we have been living under. Mm -hmm. And the pandemic change to our world as we know it has really highlighted that. I personally think that nonprofits that have been able to really be flexible and creative and coming from a place of trust with their employees will the ones that you know have pivoted to allow for creative working spaces creative working times creative working structures will be the ones that really survive absolutely the ones that we see being sustained 10 20 years from now and the ones that insist on rigid 
structures will maybe not survive. Yeah, absolutely. You made the joke about like, it's, but we just get paid less to do nonprofit work. And I think that, I mean, I know it's not a joke, but we laugh because what else are you going to do? Right. <laughs> <laughs> so, but I think a lot of that, you know, there's this kind of thinking that in the work, especially if it's really like meaningful and mission driven, mm -hmm. that that passion should sustain you. Right. And I think that you're absolutely right. I mean, people are starting to realize that you don't just get your passion from the work that you do that you get paid for. Right. There are so many other things in our lives that you need to kind of have this balance. And so I absolutely agree that like if nonprofits don't really kind of realize that it starts with trust and you have to take care of your people. And most of taking care of your people looks like letting them tell you what they need. Right. Versus you deciding what this looks like. And even if it comes from a really thoughtful, caring place, I know that there's sometimes leaders who are like, no, I'm going to take care of my people and I'm going to give them all of this stuff. And it's like, did you ask them? Do they need that? Did right. they want that? A lot of times we will see things from our own lens and have no idea of the blind spots that are happening, even like the intentions are good. Right. I mean, a pizza party isn't going to fix it, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> Free coffee in the in the office break room is not the solution to your keeping your staff. Yeah. Right? I mean, <laughs> even, even like, you know, giving them a half day once, you know, I mean, that's it's a lovely gesture, but it, so it doesn't always address the actual things that are going on. Like right. where are people actually feeling consistently frustrated where they're not kind of being able to meet their expectations what what are the expectations that are being set on people that are too much right and that that's never being revisited you know and then you ask hey like if your staff comes to you and says that this is there's too much on my plate what can I do what do I focus on and you're like well I'm not going to take anything off your plate but you can focus on that and then you're still piling other things on while right. they're working on that right you're setting them up to burn out. Basically, that's the end of the story. You're yeah. setting them up to walk away mad from you in your org and your mission, which is a shame because yeah. these are highly talented people, yeah. deeply passionate people that want and need to be doing the work they're doing, and yeah. we need them. And the ones who are the most on fire in an organization are the ones who are the most they have the, the greatest chance to burn out mm -hmm. because of that fire, Absolutely. right? And, and so when you realize if you're not really thoughtfully taking care of your people, you're going to lose the best of your people. Right. So you recently performed at the Crocker Art Museum for one of their evening events that they have, right? Tell us about that. It was, it was so much fun. So it's for Art Mix, which is, you know, here in Sacramento, the Crocker Art Museum puts on once a month this event and it always has a theme and they bring different kinds of artists and all different kinds of mediums. They open the museum and so you can tr walk around and look at all like the, the art that's there, but they're usually on the first floor. They have a lot more interactive things you can be doing. So they have, you know, music or there was clay sculpting. And I was asked to come in to do a, do some comedy Ooh. and encourage people to play. And so it was a very, it was actually a lot of fun and very unique because I've never done something like that where I was in the same room. So one side of the room was me doing like a mini TED talk about play and then getting people to do some improv with me. And on the other side of the room in the same room where people were making sculptures with like air dry clay. And so it was just it was fun. I actually really, really had a good time. And it was a little bit of like a fun challenge for me because people came into that room almost having no idea what was going to happen because there was such a small amount of space for the description. And so the description said something like, come to a comedy play. Oh. 
<laughs> and, and so I was like, yeah, I mean, I'm, it's comedy and it's play, but when you put them together, it sounds like a different thing. Right. So it was very fun to me because I was like, they all showed up and they were like, what is this? And I was like, now it's I going to win you over. <laughs> so, so it was just a, it was a fun challenge for me in a way that I haven't quite had quite like that in a while. But I know I loved it. It was really fun and getting people to get up and to play and to surprise themselves. That's what I love about what I do is. A lot of times people think, oh, I can't do that. There's no way. Like, right. there's absolutely no way. Like, I'm not funny. <laughs> and and I'm always trying to remind people, like, well, first, it's not about being funny. Right. It's about being willing. Mm. Right. And that the funny comes from just tapping into the truth. Wow. And so when you're connected and you're just in the moment, you don't have to try to be funny. You will say something that is, like, so true that people go, yeah, that's me. I understand that. I like connect with that. And that's where the funny comes from, right. in my opinion. I, I mean, there's a lot of schools of thought on comedy. I got many thoughts. <laughs> <laughs> I look forward to hearing them all. <laughs> oh. So you, you're presenting a workshop at the What If Conference, and I'm really excited about your workshop. And you're focusing on beating burnout, yeah. right, and kind of trying to inject some of the fun that's lacking into our nonprofit spaces. Is there sort of one main idea that you feel people will take from that being empowered to implement in their nonprofit organizations? Well, I hope what they get from it is that they recognize the value of connection in supporting people from reaching burnout. So, I mean, there's other things that we talked about, you know, you want to take care of people so they're not caught in the stress cycle. And I'll talk about that. And you know, you definitely don't want to set them up to burn out. Yeah. But stress is a natural part of what happens in our work. And it doesn't matter if you do heart centered work, you have a greater chance to burn out, mm -hmm. right? Because you're constantly giving so much of yourself. Mm -hmm. And so in the nonprofit space, especially, I think we have to be really thoughtful and take care of each other so that we're not burning out. And one of the greatest cures to burnout is connection. Mm -hmm. So when, you know, and think, and I, you know, I encourage even the listeners to think about when they've felt really kind of low or just like tired and exhausted, and to be able to, sh if they can share that with someone, and mm -hmm. someone says like, "Yeah, I get it," or even better, like, "Yeah, how can I help?" Right, <laughs> right. It changes how you feel than yeah. if you feel like I'm overwhelmed, yeah. but I can't tell anybody. Right. And then that is much more dangerous of a place to be. And if an organization has a culture where they don't let you share that and everyone's kind of supposed to be, you know, like superwoman, superman, mm -hmm. that's a dangerous recipe for a burnout. Well, I want to ask you the question that I ask all of my podcast guests, and that is because it is the What If podcast. What if there was one thing you could change about the nonprofit sector? I would love for the nonprofit sector to take itself a little less seriously. <laughs> and I mean, there, there are people that are doing really incredible work, right? And sometimes some of that work is really heavy. Right. And you can still do the work, but not have to be so heavy or serious. I think that that sometimes is a disservice that we do to ourselves and to our teams, but also just like the greater nonprofit community that we have to, you know, we take ourselves a little too seriously sometimes. And I think it's, it's important to have a sense of humor and, and it also helps us bounce back. You yes. know, there's, yes. there's a lot of 
and I know in the nonprofit world, I mean, I've been there too. I've worked there that you feel like this is it. This moment has to be everything because we need this funding or whatever this whatever the thing is. There's always this kind of like this is everything. And there's so much intensity to that that doesn't let people have fun. And so I think that there's this balance of like, yes, what we're doing is important. And yes, we care about it. But we can also not take ourselves so seriously. So that when something doesn't go the way that we hope, which inevitably it will, (laughs) right, then it doesn't like absolutely knock us out. Right. Humor builds resilience. Yeah. Right. Joy creates a sort of reserve that we can draw upon when we're feeling low and drained and, and thirsty and empty. Mm-hmm. It's it's just necessary. Yeah. And and I think that sometimes the nonprofit world doesn't feel like joy is a part of the mission for them. Right. And sometimes they can do that for like the communities that they serve and that's a little easier, but for them personally, for the staff, for the organization mm. to be able to also like, no, but you having joy is important. Right. That also brings people to you because that, that's contagious. Yes. And so organizations that are joyful and have that sense of like connection and trust, people will come to you even more. And so I think that that's, yeah, joy is incredible. You can feel it when you walk in the door. Oh, yes. If there's a team that is running on joy, yeah. you, you know it before and, anybody says a word. And you can feel it when the joy has been sucked out of a space. Absolutely. Yeah. And I, I sometimes will call that out and I realize like most people don't do that. But I like I, I feel it. And I'm like, wow, like what happened in here? Like, <laughs> and sometimes you can tell like I, I called it super specific because there's like, you know, side right. views to each other. Yeah. Like, How does she know? It's like it's it's obvious. And sometimes, you know, yeah, like people who are in tune to it will pick it up. But even if you're not, you still feel it before you can even put words to it. That's right. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, you've all walked into a room and there's a cloud yeah. and you can almost visibly see hanging over the group of people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And if that cloud is hanging over, you know, the staff, mm-hmm. then how can they actually get things done? Right. Because it's just it's like, you know, moving through mud. Right. It's, yeah. It's an unnecessary like it slogs everything. I don't think that's a word, but it just, you know, it makes everything like sluggish and hard because you're just it's an extra thing that you have to deal with right it's like an an invisible weight in the room pulling everyone down yeah well if you need a dose of joy and fun in your life i suggest heading over to betsida's website at improveq.org because we've been having a really great time just watching the background (laughs) of people dancing so if you need a tiny smile you can really get it for free really easily just by visiting betsida's website Betsida LeBron, it is my incredible pleasure to chat with you, as always, about things that affect all of us that work at nonprofits and about how we can we can inject some humanity and some joy and some fun into this sometimes hard and sometimes serious, sometimes heavy yeah. work that we do. I'm really looking forward to your workshop. Your workshop will be on April 14th, and it will be virtual. So anybody can access. Make sure that you sign up for the What If Conference. And it will be interactive. I do want people to understand we're going to have some fun. 
This is not a sit down and listen passively kind of experience, is no. it? Bedside up. Yeah. No, I mean, but everything is, you know, I, I don't force anybody to do anything. That's also a really important piece of, you know, play has to come from a choice. Right. It has to be consensual for it to actually be play. Sure. Um, but, but I, you know, I encourage people, it's going to be different than maybe what you've experienced before when you've gone to a conference. Well, a little known secret is that Betsaida is actually collaborating with and conspiring with me to inject some <laughs> surprise and secret and delightful elements of fun into the whole conference. So I'm really looking forward to seeing you on April 14th for your workshop at the What If Conference and continuing the conversation about joy and fun and play and theater and all of those things next time we talk. Yeah, it's my pleasure pleasure. Thanks for having me. This has been a production of the Impact Foundry. If you like what you heard, please subscribe, share, and give us a thumbs up. We hope you'll join the conversation live or virtually April 12th and 14th at the What If Conference. Whatifconference.org.